Well, I want to continue the series uh, that we've been on, Shameless Life. Shameless Life. Did you want to say something? Okay. <laughs> oh, shameless Life. And uh, I'm going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. And, uh, you know, I've been, um, the Lord keeps putting that verse on me, of course, with the series, you know, sometimes with me or normally, I guess, you know, he'll kind of. Uh, quicken a, a passage of scripture to me and that's the passage of scripture you use and we've been uh, using that passage of scripture for so long I kind of stopped reading it at the beginning and uh, two weeks ago uh, I was reminded by the Lord uh, well really a question was asked why did you stop reading that scripture and I thought well because we've been reading that scripture every week and uh, so anyhow we're going to keep reading that every week now because uh, I'm a man under authority <laughs> and so while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we know that um, eternal things can grab our attention. Sometimes natural things try to grab your attention. Sometimes it can be a loud noise or something like that, you know. The Lord just gives you illustrations with the devil meant for evil, the Lord used for good. So um, <laughs> the, the temporal things are the things that really we interact with all the time. And they so easily take from us what really we want to give to the Lord because we get so uh, focused on what's right in front of us and what things feel like. And maybe, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but lately when I've been outside, I've, I've been really in tune with how things feel, like it feels really hot. And uh, uh, not every day, but it seems like on Thursdays or something, like I'm just like, even though I'm going inside most of the time if I go in and out because my office is outside I have to go outside to go to my office uh, back inside and um, you know I just get really hot and I'm like it's really hot and uh, sometimes just your environment that you're in all the time can really start to affect your spiritual life because you get so focused on what feels comfortable and you want to you want to just be comfortable but we don't look at the things which are seen we look at the things that are not seen and so talking about living a life free from shame, uh, we find out that um, if you live with shame and you allow shame to remain, uh, you'll be moved by the temporary things all the time. Things that are actually subject to change, you will start to believe those are not subject to change and this is just the way it is. Uh, people do this sometimes if they have a, an illness in their body or a defect uh, on their body, uh, you kind of like learn to learn to live with it, you know. And uh, I remember this story Brother Hagin told about um, this woman who uh, was in one of his churches that he pastored, and uh, she um, uh, she would get healed almost every time you pray for her of any flu, any any viral uh, illness, anything like that. Uh, but um, when she had uh, problems with her legs, and he said, you know. You just believe God for that. You see, you have faith. Your faith works. Just believe God for your leg. And she's like, oh, she's like, uh, I needed to be healed of that sickness. She's like, but I can live with that. Why? Well, she, she got uh, used to the temporary for so long, 
And uh, every probably input she got from the doctors and other people was, this is how it is. This is a lifelong condition, so you're just going to have it. Well, Jesus said, uh, be careful what you hear. Because what you hear will affect what you think. And what you think will affect what you believe. So if you're not careful with what you're hearing, uh, those things can get a place in you. You, could be, you can be a, a great man or woman of God, trust in the Lord in your life, but yet you let these other inputs continually have a greater place than what the Word has. Uh, Proverbs 4, 20 and 21 says, My son, which of course includes my daughter, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. So there's so much in there. You know, you realize he said keep in the midst of your heart and keep them before your eyes and keep them in your ears. Well, that doesn't mean that other things uh, aren't passing through your ears or aren't passing before your eyes. Or maybe you have to filter and say, am I going to let that in my heart? Because the Bible also says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. So, you know, uh, if I ever go to the doctor, then I'm not really concerned with the doctor believing what I believe. That would be awesome, actually. They used to have in Tulsa, they had the city of faith where the doctors would go down the hallways and pray in the Holy Ghost. You know, they're praying in tongues and laying hands for healing, and they're doing the medical side. Uh, But there's... uh, so far, there's not a lot of places like that. I believe some other ones are, are sprouting up. I know a, a minister friend of ours is starting a place like that uh, out in Denver, Colorado. And so uh, that's, that's exciting. Uh, actually, they're going to have um, uh, uh, video, record healings, have uh, certified medical doctors watch uh, with the uh, instruments, you know, the tests they can do and everything. And then they're going to have uh, lay hands on people and watch the medical instruments show the change that God is causing occur in the body. Uh, because Jesus is the healer, and he's not dead. He's still alive. Uh, but if you, if you only have your focus on this one input all the time, or these type of input, uh, it'll affect you. And actually, it's, it's not so much what you get from someone is not so much just the information that's being offered, but is actually the spirit and the attitude that is behind it. It's the spirit and the attitude that's behind it. So sometimes you can find that people have a good message or a right message, but they deliver it with strife and contention. Well, the Bible says where strife and contention is, there's every evil work and confusion. And so um, you could actually take the word of God and you know, deliver it contentiously. So let's pick up there. That's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we've been reading verse 18. Now we'll back up to the beginning that we've gone a few other times. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Well, somebody said, anytime you see a therefore, you should find out what it's there for. (laughs) And so, just to paraphrase the previous uh, chapter, he's saying, like, Moses had the ministry of condemnation. And it was a ministry of glory. So Moses... Uh, went up onto the mountain into the glory of God, and his face shone after that, so much so that he had to put a veil over it because uh, he didn't want them actually to see this glory that was fading away. But he's saying, we have a glory that doesn't fade away, and, and, and um, 
if that ministry was actually called a ministry of condemnation, that ministry of glory, how much more is the ministry of glory which the believer now receives uh, that doesn't fade away? Uh, if, if that was glorious, how much more glorious is this? And so you see the ministry that uh, they had with Moses is you would see the glory of God and the presence of God and feel condemned by it. Right? It's a ministry of condemnation. So God is good. But you're like, but I am bad. And so this new ministry that Jesus came and Jesus brought, this is not a ministry of condemnation. This is not a ministry to say like, um, uh, God is good and you are bad. This is a ministry to say um, that God has made you good. Just as good as He is good. You know, your natural mind would be like, I can't comprehend that. No, your natural mind can't comprehend it because it's a spiritual thing. Actually, the, in Corinthians, I don't have time to go there, but the Bible is a spiritual book. And God is a spirit. So when we talk the things of the Word or the things of God, we're talking spiritual things. And maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe I should say we're talking spirit things and spirit talk. So we're talking to your spirit and about your spirit. And we're talking to God's spirit and about God's spirit because God is a spirit. Right? So in the natural, you think, like, I'm going to walk over to Vitaly and I'm going to talk to his flesh. Well, I am horrible at that, to be honest with you. Like, if this was a party uh, and I did what my flesh wanted to do, I would kind of, like, be in the corner. Okay? I think the Lord has a sense of humor. And so, um, but if I'm going to go talk to Vitaly, I'm not really going to go talk to his flesh. Now, he's there in flesh and blood, but he's also there in spirit. And I really want to know, What's going on in your heart? What's happening in your heart or your spirit? Right? Because, I don't know, that's just kind of a little bit how I'm, I'm made up. But uh, some people are more, much more effective than I am at like a group of people like being the life of the party and like, hey, you know. Like if I say, how are you doing, Vitaly? How's everything going? And he's like, oh, everything's great, you know. I feel like we didn't really connect. <laughs> like, is it really great or, or how is it, you know? And in large groups, you can't really, you know, be real close like that with everybody. I'm not saying that. No condemnation, of course. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> no shame. Um, but, so, they're saying, uh, he's saying, if that ministry was glorious, how much more, more glorious is this, is this mystery? Let's pick up in verse 15 just to give context. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it will turn to the Lord, the veil will be taken away. So if you're reading the word without turning to the Lord, it will be veiled. And the Lord is a spirit, and it's a spiritual book. The Bible is a spiritual book written by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved upon men to write this. In other words, the writing that was put down was inspired by God's Spirit. And actually, in the original, is perfect in every way. Now, sometimes, like, if I paraphrase, like that paraphrase that I just gave you is not perfect, right? And the paraphrase that King James had a group of people give us is not perfect. If you're King James only, I apologize, but, you know, Paul did not use it, okay? And so, um, and message translation is not perfect. None of these are, none of these are perfect. Um, but as you read the Word, I've found, because I have the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit, I can read something that a translator translated, and I get a little prick on the inside. Look another translation. That's not quite right. 
right? So we have the Holy Spirit to teach us all things and to guide us into what? All truth. Okay, uh, verse 2. Uh, no, I'll, I'll pick up. Uh, now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. So um, you were thinking about shameless life or living a life of shame, living a life of condemnation. And uh, we don't want to do that. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as you turn to the Lord to look to the Word, you'll find He'll actually make it real to you. And you'll find with Him, there is no bondage when you read the Word. There's actual freedom when you read the Word. And, and uh, I really have to pause because I feel a check in my spirit. And so just because a person... Uh, maybe as legitimately called of God to be a minister of His gospel. Just because uh, uh, a man or a woman operates in that call and in an anointing, uh, just because there's results to the ministry, maybe people get healed, uh, maybe people get set free. In the long run, if you see that happening, they're probably in line with the Word. Okay, in the short run, uh, not necessarily the case. You know, and somebody, somebody asked uh, Kenneth Hagin one time, you know, these people are not working for the Lord. How in the world this person got healed? How could they get healed? And he said, well, he said, obviously I don't know unless the Lord told me that specific situation. He said, but, you know, I see it like this. Every sickness and every disease uh, is actually from the devil and originates from the devil. And... Um, um, so the devil put that on them. So, to me, it wouldn't make it be any jump, uh, leap of faith at all to say the devil's going to take the pressure of his hand on them off just a little bit enough that he could wrap it tighter around them. You understand? So, and of course, we, we know in the Word that uh, even in the last days, there'll be people doing miracles claiming to do them from God, but they're actually uh, inspired by Satan. So you can't just say just because this is, um, uh, this is happening or this is... In other words, everything that's supernatural is not God. Right? So there is a supernatural kingdom of light, but there is a supernatural kingdom of darkness. So much so that Paul said, uh, you know, your, your wrestling is not against flesh and blood. Right? But that doesn't mean that your fight isn't sometimes against flesh and blood. You understand what, what I'm saying? What, what, I'm, what I'm saying? That's not even right English. What am I saying? Well, what I'm saying is sometimes I had an experience one time where um, uh, I was uh, doing some ministry. And uh, when I went to do the ministry, I um, ministered to somebody. And um, I, uh, I just went and I had an anointing from the Lord. I had knew exactly what to say. And I, I went to minister. And... Uh, it was like, felt like the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove just flew away. <laughs> like, boop, 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 boop. And I was like, up, 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 up. and right before I had like, I don't know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, like I had something from the Lord. I, it was substance and I, I was to deliver it. And um, so I walked away from that and um, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, Lord, what is that? And the Lord just quickened to me. He said, you did not take your position of authority over those things. Because there were other, apparently, spirits involved. 
And so uh, I'm like, oh, so I did. And then, um, you know, long story short, uh, that thing, it came back and I was able to deliver it and freedom was able to come, those type of things. Well, then another time I was working with somebody and um, when I went to work with them, I just out of habit was like, because I had learned like you don't want to do this, you know, and um, even honestly planting the church out here, I never had so many challenges in my life as planting the church of things that should not be difficult. Things that I couldn't imagine like a demon is really that interested in. Uh, anyhow, I learned in doing things out here, like, you know, you're just kind of like, no, I'm taking my authority. You're not getting any foothold, any ground, whatever. And funny enough, then things would work, right? And so, um, so you kind of get into the habit of it. And so uh, in this particular situation, uh, I, I did it. And um, I went to minister. And man, uh, things didn't go so well. And I was like, Lord. I took my authority. What happened? And again, when I say, I'm not, hopefully I'm not just saying the Lord spoke to me, but he witnessed on the inside of me. Sometimes he will speak, and it'll be like as clear as you or I speaking. Most of the time, that's not the primary way he, he communicates with us. And so he witnessed to me. And, 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 but it was, you know, as real as words. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And so um, he said, that was not a spiritual problem. That was just the flesh. And I said, Oh, you know, and then your thought is, you may not have to live by faith every moment of the day. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? In other words, you can't just get a pattern with God or the things of God and say, this is the way it is. Every time you're going to do this. Uh, If that was the case, then every uh, blind person, Jesus would uh, spit on the ground and make mud and they'd have somebody with a mud ministry and they'd have a a, like a a five gallon pail of mud and anybody that was blind, he'd put mud on everybody's eyes. Right. But we only read that one time. Okay, um, yet healing from uh, blind eyes is the will of God, right? So, and it's already been accomplished uh, in, the work of, in the work of Christ, but uh, the matter of receiving it sometimes can be a little different. And so, um, so just because uh, you did something one time or the Lord led you to do it one time doesn't mean that that's how he's leading you to do it every single time. And... Um, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. So when you are going to minister to yourself or someone else, you'll find if you're flowing with the Lord, there's freedom there. Now, your flesh may not be fully, like, um, excited about that level of freedom. Uh, You know, I don't know if Jesus' flesh was real excited about spitting and making mud and then putting that spitful mud. Imagine if he did that during COVID, right? So... So, and I'm not sure if the person receiving. So Jesus had to be in faith, and the person receiving had to be in faith. And it's no different today. In other words, he had to look to the Lord. We have to look to the Lord. And to me, that is, that is where the Spirit of the Lord is. That's where he is. There is freedom. And the reason there's freedom is, it's not for me to make it happen. It's not for me to figure it out. Whether I'm the receiver or I'm the distributor, Uh, it's for me to look to Him. Both people, both situations, you look to Him. And so we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's denoting like an actual physical exertion, uh, 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 a wrestle that's not necessarily just for a moment. So sometimes at just the moment, you're dealing with flesh, whether it's yourself or someone else. But sometimes uh, you're actually wrestling. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
It is principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. So if you find yourself in a wrestling match, well, you need to be real attentive. This is not just a personality problem. And I'm not talking between me and Sandy. <laughs> There's no personality problem. Sometimes I'm talking between me and Tim Ostrom. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, so sometimes it's just a natural environment that you grew up in. This has caused you challenges that you don't even realize. You know, there's a, there's a couple, Les and Leslie Perot, and they do a lot of pre-marriage counseling and then marriage counseling afterwards, and Christian, you know, and um, they tell a story about when they first got married. And when they first got married, uh, they were going to Chicago, where she's from, to have Christmas at her parents'. And they're going to have Christmas there. And so she was like, oh, I'm so excited, Les, that you get to experience what I experienced all my life growing up, right? Nostalgic, good, she had good memories, good family, you know. And so she, the whole time, is like, this has finally happened. They bought plane tickets, and they're coming, and they're flying home to her mom and dad's house. And she is so excited. Well, as it happens, if you've ever flown through Chicago in the wintertime, uh, there were major delays. And so uh, they didn't end up getting to the house till like 12 p.m., or, excuse me, 12 a.m. or 1 a.m., uh, just after midnight, and so they're very tired, so they get in their room, and she's like, she's so excited, she can hardly sleep. She's like, you know, because he's going to get to experience this, I call it romantic, it's like a romantic view, you know, like uh, not between man and woman, but you know, you have a romantic view of a mission, say, or something like that. So it's just like, oh, I've always wanted it. So she's so excited, and um, uh, she's like, oh, honey, it's going to be good. Uh, we're going to get up in the morning, and we're going to do this. And so she goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. Uh, she goes to sleep. She wakes up 6 a.m. She's ready to go because her family always, 6 a.m. during Christmas, they get together, and they make this breakfast, and they have this most awesome meal, and they're like, oh, this is so wonderful. So she gets up, and she's like, let's, 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 let's get up. Let's go. It's time. And he's like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, we got in so late. And she's like, Oh, oh, uh, oh, okay, well, you just, just take a little time waking up, and I'll go down and get everything ready, and it's going to be so awesome, and you come down. Well, it gets to be like 7, 7.30, and she's like, where is Les? He is missing this. I told him about this. This is the whole thing, right? And so uh, he goes up, she goes up, and he is dead asleep, still sleeping. And she's like, Les, Les, you're missing it. He's like, oh, what? Well, they had never discussed really how important it was to her and because she never knew how important it was to her. So she had these expectations because of what she had been brought up in that it was going to be this way. And he had expectations because of what he was brought up in because in his family, what they would do is they would stay up late the night before and sleep in until like 11 and kind of roll out of bed on uh, Christmas Day and do whatever they would do like in the evening. And so his picture of the most perfect Christmas is, man, you're sleeping in and you're just kind of chilling out. You're in your PJs or whatever. And she's like, the whole family's together making the meal, doing all this. So I said all that to say, you know, that could help your marriage maybe. But, um, you know, you need to communicate expectations. And she did not, was not conscious that she had these expectations 
and she put these expectations on him. Well, so what happens? Well, if she's dealing with shame, now this is me. I'm making this up now. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not saying what they said. But if she struggled with shame, she's going to be so upset that he disappointed her expectations. And so her reaction uh, most, most of the time is going to be to either go away and sulk or it is his fault that Christmas turned out horrible because she was disappointed. Okay, so I think that gives us a good context. Okay, so now uh, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So he's not saying something different than what he said over here, which I paraphrased, which is we look to the Lord. And when we look to the Lord, everything else comes in, into the right place. And so he's also not saying anything different than what Paul said when he said in another place, which was uh, where Jesus actually said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So what happens? If you look at Jesus, you're drawn to him and actually other people are drawn to him. Okay? But we all with open face... Beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. So with open face means, means I have an open face. Like my face is open. So it means I don't have a mask on my face, right? So if I had a mask, it's COVID, COVID's working out, okay? So if I had a mask, I'm like covering up my face. You can't see part of my face. Maybe I want to rob a place, you know. So... But sometimes we have a mask. Am I holding it so you can hear audio? Okay. So I'm holding it out because you can't really talk through your mask very well. Okay. So if I have a mask, well, sometimes I'll go to a party and I have a mask on because I don't want you to know who I really am. I don't want you to know who, what I'm really like because I feel like if you actually saw that, you would not love me or accept me. And so the only way you will love me and accept me is if I put a mask on. Well, I don't just do that at parties. I actually do that even when I pray. I put a mask on. I'm not saying this is a good thing. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I'm saying we convince ourselves uh, nobody knows, nobody sees, yet we, we run around with a mask on like none of you can see this mask. Like you don't know that I'm wearing a mask. You're not conscious of the mask. I know I have the mask, but you're not, you don't know I have the mask. Well, no, you actually know that I have the mask because you can see the mask. And so sometimes to the person wearing it, if you wear it long enough, you kind of forget that you have the mask on. And so you're going through life with a mask. Therefore, verse 1, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. As we have received mercy, we faint not. Uh, so I have a question for every one of us this morning. And that is, have you received mercy? Have you received mercy? Now, now, now I'm kind of transitioning to the point of deliverance. Have you received mercy? Have you received mercy? Do you know when you see Jesus up on that cross and you start to behold Him and you see, wait a minute, He's not on that cross with things that He did. 
He's on that cross with things that I did. He's not on that cross with his diseases or with his sickness or with his poverty. He's actually on that cross with my sickness, my disease, and my poverty. In other words, the will of the enemy was to kill, to steal, and to destroy me and from me and mine. In other words, my family, my children, my parents, my church, my friends, my co-workers, right? So the devil, he, he has only come, Jesus said, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we should never befriend him. But he comes as a master of deception, saying like I think I said last week, my precious, right? This is precious, and don't you touch my precious, and you know, uh, you know this thing will do you good. And people will think you're amazing if you have this ring, you know, or whatever that. I shouldn't try to do that because I need to, we'd have to rewatch it to be good at it. But anyhow, um, but you take this thing and you're like, this thing is, is precious and this is special. And if I don't have this thing, I lose the power. I lose the advantage. Because this thing I have allowed to get this precious place that really only God should hold. So, therefore, when you look and see we have this ministry of glory or we have this power of God and every good thing that God is, we have this ministry. We carry Him on the inside of us. Seeing we have this ministry or this is how we're going to serve God in the earth, as we have received mercy, we faint not. In other words, if you're fainting, you have not received the mercy of God. And what does fainting mean? Like passing out? Well, it could mean that. But it also means if um, you, you are growing weary in well-doing. If you're weary in, in your walk with the Lord, maybe you're weary in your giving, you're weary in um, uh, healing, or you're weary just in your heart and your, your, your mind and you're weary, you have not appropriately received the mercy of God. Because God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace and His mercy triumphs over judgment. So all of a sudden, you're trying to be somebody that is doing enough good things to get God to like you. Well, if God likes you, what's going to happen? Well, if He liked me, I guess He would heal me. Well, if He liked me, I guess He would provide for me. Well, if He liked me, I guess I wouldn't have like this depression or I guess I wouldn't be overwhelmed or... No, God more than likes you. He loves you. Every single one of us. Saved and not saved. Doing right and doing wrong. God's, God is not shallow and unloving and sinful like sometimes we can be. He is love personified. And so He is not, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 actually tells us, he is not counting up our mistakes against us and say, well, they did it again. They did it again. Oh, Tim did it again. Oh, Tim messed up again. Oh, Tim's doing this. Oh, Tim's doing that. I just use me so that if you had that echo in your own voice, I'm not siding in with the devil. <laughs> in your own head, I mean. Sometimes your own voice echoes it. No. God, 2 Corinthians 5 says, that God was personally present in Christ Jesus, taking the whole world and making them right with Him. Uh, Amplified actually says, canceling their sins out. In other words, He saw your sin. 
God knows everything. And this is the beauty of the love of God. You don't have to wear a mask with God because He knows your weakness and your inabilities and even your sins better than you know and is more acquainted than what you know. And with that knowledge and that understanding, He said, that's the young man, that's the young woman, that's the old man, that's the old woman I love. I love them. Think about just natural children. I have four of them. And so... You know, natural children, uh, four of them on the earth, I have one up in heaven. And so, uh, so natural children, you see them and you love them. Yet as a parent, you may be a little bit aware of some faults and weaknesses <laughs> and mistakes. But my children, when they make a mistake, it does not change my love for them one bit. Actually, truth be known, when they make mistakes, it actually stirs up a, a greater depth of my love for them. I become more conscious of my love for them because I'm more conscious of their weakness and their inability or just that they just fleshed out or they just made a mistake. And so it doesn't make me say, well, I want to push you away because you did something bad. It makes me say, I want to bring you close because we're going to get you through this, right? Well, if I'm an earthly father, and that's a good thing to do for my children, but Jesus said, if an earthly father knows how to do those good things for his children, how much more does our heavenly father do good things for us who ask him? In other words, if God has given me just a sliver of ability to be a good father, or maybe like an abundance of ability to be a good father, but I just tap into a sliver of that, how much more is God a good father? How much more wisdom and foresight does God have? Because Paul said, you know, we prophesy in part. And he said, we know in part. He's talking about, this, this is 1 Corinthians 13. I love 1 Corinthians 13. And so, we know in part. And what we know is a spiritual thing, but it's only part of the spiritual thing that we know. Right? So sometimes we get all puffed up because the Lord spoke to us. And so why well, know this? Okay, what I know when the Lord tells me something and what you know when the Lord tells you something is like uh, the Bible says, through a glass darkly or dimly. It's like a foggy picture of the reality. And when you realize that the foggy picture of the reality is that awesome, what must the reality be if you could actually see it fully? You know, that's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, you know. That when we know, as we are fully known, uh, well, we're just going to lift off this earth and meet him in the air, right? I mean, it's like, it's, 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 a, it's good news. All right, I said all that to get to verse 2. But we have renounced, renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. And actually, um, my, the margin of my Bible says that that's from the Greek word that means shame. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking, listen what, listen, listen what shame will cause you to do, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. That's so good. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of every man. Do you know I misquoted that, Hope? In the sight of God. Yet many times we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in their sight. 
In other words, if you approve of me or if I approve of you, then I'm going to feel like I'm doing okay. But that's not the word. What the word says is commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, in the sight of God, I have done, hopefully, <laughs> you know, I have done in my conscience with the Lord and the other person's conscience, if they would look to the Lord, would find out, well, that person is doing the will of God. Do you understand? Okay. And so um, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty or the hidden things of shame. But the only way we can do that is if we do verse 1, we have received mercy. We've received mercy. You remember, you guys know, I don't know if you realize this or not. Does anybody realize that I really like Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, and 25? <laughs> okay, so if you go back to Mark 11, 22 through 25, have faith in God. Um, therefore, I say to you, what things soever, or excuse me, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Uh, therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, this is verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. Ought just means the slightest little thing. So he didn't even say, therefore, when you stand praying, if you have something big against someone, forgive them. Of course, it includes that. But he's saying, like, the small, if you have the smallest little thing, the smallest little thing, and sometimes the smallest little thing sneaks in there so much that you don't even realize it's there. But you know how I realize it's there? When somebody says their name, or maybe you're on social media and you see them, and I'm not on social media a lot, I apologize, I should be on more, I suppose, but anyhow, uh, you see them, something gets tight in your stomach, <laughs> and you're like, oh. you know, you have a slight little thing against them, and it's not healthy for you to keep that because it will affect your faith. Well, what did he say then? Because that's not the end of that verse. He said, and when you stand praying, if you have ought against any, forgive what do you say? That your Father which is in heaven may forgive you. Well, why can we forgive? Ephesians 5.32 says that uh, be kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So he said that we can and are supposed to forgive the same way that God forgives. Well, let me tell you, when God forgives you, he's not counting it up and holding it against you and saying, you know, Sandy, I forgive you, but I'll never forget what you did. Actually, he says quite the opposite. He said, I'm going to take the memory of what you did and I'm going to throw it into what I call the sea of forgetfulness. And if you don't understand that, I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west. And just so you get it clear, the blood of my son Jesus will actually remove the very consciousness of sins so that you don't even have the consciousness of that sin, that you ever committed sin. Why? Because if you have a consciousness of sin, like if I have a consciousness of a sin against my wife, in other words, I spoke harshly to her, or I ignored her, or there was something she said, honey, this is really important to me, would you do this? And I'm conscious that I didn't do it. You know, so I'm maybe not driving where I'm not paying attention. Okay. <laughs> well, 
when I approach her, I'm not going to approach her with full openness. Because I know she's like, I didn't do what she asked for, so I have a certain measure of shame about not doing it. Or at least consciousness if I have learned not to receive the shame. Right? Shame is different than guilt. We're all guilty at different times. <laughs> and we all sin at different times because the Bible says if you say that you, know, you don't sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. What does that mean? That simply means Jesus is perfect and you're not. Right? He's perfect and I'm not. That simply means that my life, if I'm living a life of faith by its very essence and definition, it means it's based on who he is and what he's done, not who I am or what I've done. Unless you want to take it like a step further and say, what I am is a child of God and I'm united to him, but it's his very life that's in me. And so um, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So sometimes you have, unfortunately, ministers of the gospel who use the word of God deceitfully. So sometimes they're trying to cover their shame or something that they don't like, that they experienced. And you will know because in your spirit, something's just not right. And you actually hear it, and they may they speak the same words. I remember um, somebody, asked, somebody asked Brother Hang one time. They said, um, how come when you minister on faith and these type of things, I just feel bigger or built up afterwards. I, I, I feel like... Give me this mountain, I'm going to go get it. And they said, you know, there's two other people that preach almost the identical message to what you preached. But one of them, when they preached it, I felt like I wanted to get in an angry fight with someone. I got angry and upset. And the other one, it was just kind of like empty. He said, well, I don't know unless the Lord tells me. He said, but uh, one of the things is I learned what I learned because I had to live it. I had to live by faith, so it's very real to me. He said, also, some people teach, teach from strife and contention. And so they may say the exact same words, but there's some other atmosphere or some other thing that's attached there. Because what we minister when we minister uh, the word, it's really spirit-to-spirit -spirit ministry. And so if, um, if um, my heart is not right with God, and then I'm going to minister, I'm going to minister more what's in my heart than just the words that I say. That's why it's very important to me that I commune with the Lord, that I pray in the Holy Ghost, that I am, uh, have studied the Word, and I'm prepared for Him to uh, use me, and I prepare myself to yield to Him, because uh, people can get up and say a lot of nice-sounding things, but there might not be any life attached to them. But if you ever listen to what the Spirit of God is saying in your own spirit, uh, it will rivet your attention, and if you receive and embrace what He says, actually it will produce life, in the area of your life that you are receiving it. So this is why you can have somebody sitting right here and somebody sitting right here and they both have the same physical condition and one of them receives healing from the Lord which was already theirs. They realized it and received it and the other person doesn't. Right? Okay. We're almost done. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who are lost 
in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So our ministry, our ministry, I'm talking about every person who is a believer. Every person who is a believer, you have ministry. You're in the ministry. Okay? So our ministry is not to give you me or you, right? Not ourselves, but Jesus Christ. And I'm a servant of his for your benefit, for your sake. I'm doing this for him, right? But if you deal, if you have not received mercy, if you have not received the love of God, that doesn't mean that God didn't pour his mercy and love on the inside of you. And before I learned about the grace of receiving, people would sometimes give me something, before I was even in full-time ministry, they'd give me some, something financial, like money. And I can remember, I would have that in my hand, sometimes put it in my wallet, but I did not receive it. I was trying to figure out, oh, I've got to pay them back. How am I going to pay them back? I need to do this for them. I never received it, yet I had it. Right? So God has poured his love when the Holy Spirit came, the love of God came on the inside of us. But if we don't receive that love and that mercy, we'll start doing manipulative things, hidden things, and wear a mask and be deceived. Let me let me just finish out with the message translation of verse two. We refuse to wear masks and play games. I forgot it said this. <laughs> But the Lord didn't, I guess. Okay. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. <clears throat> Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. Isn't that good? So good. I'm going to read again. <clears throat> we refused. Um, my, my voice, I'm not doing it right because uh, I don't have the PA, so I'm, I think I'm talking louder. Thank you. <clears throat> I'll do better. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. I, I don't want to for the sake of time, but I'm going to pause real quick. So I do this this is going to sound real funny. I do this all the time. No, not the manipulation stuff like that. I hope not, dear Lord. Okay. No, but I, I, I call it managing yourself. So when, when someone says something to me, whether good or bad, I want to make sure that what I allow into my heart is the right thing. I'm not going to allow the wrong thing a place in my heart because out of my heart flow all the issues of life. So if I let the wrong thing into my heart and have access to my heart, I might like it for the, uh, the, the, that initial uh, gratification of it, but long-term, it's setting my life in the wrong direction because all the issues of life are going to come out of my heart. And so I make sure that um, if I have a temptation uh, to be like, 
oh, yeah, I'm pretty good at that, especially if it's something in the kingdom of God. Uh-uh. I don't receive that because he is good. Uh, and I'll just say this. Smith Wigglesworth, you know, he was over a minister, and uh, he went to minister to this, uh, there was this uh, 16-year-old girl who was possessed as all get out. And uh, so much so that they had to like have six or seven full-size grown men holding this girl down in her little cell thing or whatever. And so her parents had got a hold of Brother Wigglesworth and said, hey, will you come pray? And so uh, he came, and uh, the parents are out there, and they're like, she's in there. And he looked in, and it's like these six or seven big guys just doing everything they can to hold this girl down because, you know, we're talking about supernatural power. That's supernatural demonic power. That girl was strong physically. And so... He walked into that room, and <laughs> the men all scattered, went away, and a uh, uh, demon spoke up through that girl and said, you can't cast me out. And he said, Jesus can. Come out in the name of Jesus. And he said, 37 devils came out of that woman, uh, each saying their name, and she was totally set free. Well, why do I say that? I can't cast the devil out. You can't cast the devil out, per se. He said, in the name of Jesus. And when you use the name of Jesus, that's the same as Jesus. In other words, it's the power of attorney. It's like Jesus signed the paperwork. So when you say, come out in the name of Jesus, that's not your power or my power. That is his power that he has already done. So it actually sets us free. And so, yeah, the truth is, no, I can't cast one demon out, but Jesus can. So in the name of Jesus, you can no longer be here. You can no longer operate. You have no place. And do you know what? Do you know when I'm saying that right now? Don't you just sense in your spirit like great freedom? That you're like, oh. you don't have to like try. All we have to do is let him live through us, which was the second part of the message, which I never got to today. But you enter into the rest of faith, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. So let's stand. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4. Hallelujah. God is good and His mercy endures forever. He's a merciful God. We don't have to perform. We don't have to make it happen. Well, our job is actually to let Him do through us what He already wants to do, the desires He already has. You know, you stir up the gift of God which is in you. There is a gift of God on the inside of every believer. There is a plan and a purpose for every believer, for every situation, every time. But if we stay conscious of our own weaknesses, our own mask that we may try to put on, just don't, just start by taking, rip the mask off in the presence of God and say, you know what? You see everything anyhow. You help me out of this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I want you, in fact, I'm just going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give every person under the sound of my voice that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your mercy and of your grace of how you see us, how you look at us. Father, that we would have more understanding about your mercy than what we ever have up to this point in our life. And Father, that that mercy, as we receive mercy, that we won't faint and that we'll give that mercy away, that we'll be merciful people, loving people, powerful people, because you live on the inside of us and we allow you to work through us. Father, I thank you for your plan and your purpose for every person here and online. Father, I thank you that you have good plans, not evil plans, to give us a hope and a future. And Father, I thank you that you are greater uh, and you live on the inside of us, that you are greater than he that's in the world, and that we are not uh, 
push down. We're not underneath, but we're above. We're the head and not the tail. And Father, I thank you for your plan for every life. I pray, Father, that every one of us will live and walk our entire life in the center of your perfect plan with your perfect provision, your perfect will, and that we will perfectly yield to you that Christ will show up through our thoughts, our beliefs, our words, and our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, He is true life itself. If you feel like, man, I, I don't know what the point is anymore. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. The way I thought things would turn out, they didn't turn out that way. I'm so disappointed in life. I'm so discouraged in life. If that's you, Jesus came to set you free from discouragement and really from the power of the enemy. You can have a life that is satisfying every single day, every single moment. Your life can be lived with a greater purpose and a higher purpose and a higher plan. But that will only ever be found in Jesus. You'll not find that in all of the, the, the money you give to charity. You'll not find that in all of the things you do for other people. But you'll only find it in the Son of God and His name is Jesus. And the way that you receive Him is you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth, He is Lord. In other words, that's your declaring that you believe and receive Him as your Lord and then you will be totally changed. You'll actually be recreated in your spirit and you're not recreated sinful, but you're recreated holy and you're recreated right with God and favored with God. So I want to pray with you if you'd like to do that. If you're here, you can slip up your hand. If you're online, you can um, raise your hand on the online, uh, the way you raise your hand online. If you don't have access to that for some reason, you can just pray with us and then uh, uh, connect with us later. And let's pray and just repeat after me um, what I'm going to say and believe it in your heart. Say, oh God, oh God, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that he is your son. And that he died on the cross to take away my sins. I receive him now as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus every day for the rest of my life. Thank you that I am now born again. I got a brand new start. A brand new nature and a brand new life. In Jesus' name, amen.